Hello, and welcome to the Nonprofit Radio Show, a podcast with tips and tools for small nonprofits. If you feel in the dark about how to run a nonprofit, sunshine is on its way. I'm Nancy Bacon, and I'm joined by Sarah Brooks. And Sarah has a new job. (laughs) That's right, Nancy. I mean, sort of a new job. After 18 years of having various positions at the Met Health Conservancy, I'm super honored to take on the role of executive director now. And that, of course, brings all sorts of new challenges and interesting adventures for me. But one of the things I'm glad about is I will be able to continue to do the nonprofit radio show. That is so exciting. And, you know, stepping into leadership in 2022, that's a pretty pretty amazing thing. And I, I mean, how many people have asked you, are you crazy? You know, I've had a, a large number or people sort of just smile with that Cheshire cat grin smile and say, oh, really? I know you're going to show up on Monday with your master plan and take over the universe. I don't think so. <laughs> no, this is so exciting. We're just, I am just so excited to see you all. I mean, you're just sliding into exactly the kind of leadership that you've been doing all along. And so folks, we decided that we might do a little interview here because I have so many questions for Sarah. (laughs) And so let's just dive right in. So, So Sarah, what does it mean to be an executive director in 2022? Well, I'm not entirely sure yet. (laughs) (laughs) You'll tell me on Monday. (laughs) I guess we'll find out. But seriously, I think On one level, it means some of the same things it always has, Nancy. I think it starts with caring for people. And that's, you know, in my case, we have a paid staff. So caring for those staff members, our board, of course, our volunteers, our donors, those we serve, those we partner with. You know, at the end of the day, I feel like the job description at most, you know, could just say it's about building good relationships. I think it's also, as it always has been, about passion for mission. You have to believe deeply in what you're working toward and in order to take on the stress of being the, the executive director. And it's about nurturing and developing a vision. You know, it's as you've heard me say many times on the nonprofit radio show, it's ultimately about being able to build a movement. So those things I don't think change. I love how you start with relationships because so often I have invited folks to go back to their origin story. And most nonprofits start when a group of energized, passionate, committed people come together to make something happen. Mm-hmm. And just the way you started the answer to that question, you went right back to that, right? You're going to totally. center relationships and center this group of people that is motivated to make something happen. And I think there are probably some things in 2022 that are a little different about being an executive director. And those who've been doing this for the last few years can hopefully chime into the nonprofit radio show comments and correct me where I'm wrong or give me new insights to help me see it. But among the things I'm thinking about in 2022 are being nimble, yeah, even more so than ever. Plans are great, but plans are only guides and you need to be listening and responding to what's happening around you and, and being a good role model of being nimble and being okay with that, I think is really important. I also think it's important in 2022 to be irrationally optimistic. If we really stop right now and think, there are probably lots of reasons not to be optimistic. (laughs) Um, But I think it's really, really important that an executive director in this moment in time finds ways to be irrationally optimistic. And then I think you have to be able to feel like you can be a role model for finding hope in a dark world and for caring for yourself while caring for your mission and 
And finding those ways to wallow just long enough. We all had a conversation just last week in my in my organization with the staff about, you know, it's okay to wallow. Like there's this, it's okay to say this is hard. Um, it's okay to be frustrated in a moment. But how do you know when that wallowing like tips over into, you know, a negative cycle you can't get out of versus that wallowing is like a healthy acknowledgement of the times. And then you move on to, okay, so where's, you know, where do we find the good in this? And Mm -hmm. so those are the things I'm thinking about in 2022. Such great ideas. I I think it's absolutely true. This notion of honoring the emotion, but as a leader, you're definitely, you know, people are looking to you to pull them forward and, and the positivity will pull them forward. They need that light. Mm -hmm. So here's the next question. What is something that you are going to hold on to from your experience as a staff member? That was easy. I, I should note, Nancy gave me these questions ahead of time so I could think about them a little bit. And that was the one I answered the quickest. So how good it feels to be trusted and believed in. I had that in my whole, I've had that in my whole tenure with the organization I'm with now. And the leadership of the organization has always listened to me given me the space to articulate something, even when I can't articulate it quite well enough and to, to hear out those ideas and sometimes to say, yeah, run with it and see what happens and, and given me the grace to fail and try again and um, experiment and, and do all those things. And so I want to really want to hold on to that as a key component of our organizational culture that regardless of what your position is, and even if it's an unpaid volunteer position that we trust and believe in, the capabilities of the people who are working with us in the movement. I appreciate that so much because so often we think in terms of buckets. There's the staff and the board and the executive director and the board chair run, you know, the board and the executive director runs the staff. And and it's just so in some way it can be pushed to a place where it's divisive. Exactly. And that's that's where staff can be such powerful thought partners. And you have experienced that. I've experienced that of being in a staff role and knowing a ton about something and wanting to be viewed as a, as a thought partner. And I love that you're bringing that forward into your role of executive director. Absolutely. And yeah, I I think my staff will hold me to that. (laughs) Yes, good. And they should. Uh, So what principles inspire you as you move into this position? Mm, Well, these will sound remarkably familiar, Nancy. (laughs) I know. They are probably uh, on our website on the nonprofit radio show in some form or another. But I I came up with three right away. The first is being intentional. And that, you know, always goes back to understanding our whys. Why why are we doing something? Why are we making this decision? Why, Why have we always done it this way? And I think one of the keys to being happy executive director is finding the space, the quiet space to be intentional. You know, I, I can already tell that there are just lots of decisions or lots of listening opportunities for you to be a part of. There's lots of stuff coming at you. And I think it's really important to carve out the space to like let it sink in your head and then be really intentional and, and communicate that with others about, well, here's why we're doing it this way. And, and, and do you agree? And, and sort of let that conversation flow. So I definitely think being intentional is really important. I think being kind is underrated. And I think it's super important. Now, that is not the same thing as being nice. So I think it's important to be kind, which means you're honest and you're empathetic. You attempt to maybe not be able to stand in someone else's shoes, but hear them explaining what it feels like to be in their shoes. You assume goodness and you're clear and direct when you need to be. 
because sometimes letting someone know they've disappointed your expectation is actually the kindest thing you can do to help them improve. So I, I really want to really want to hold kindness as a, a kind of key principle in this role. And finally, I want to be a humble learner. You know, just because you're a leader doesn't mean you know everything. And, <laughs> and, and if anything, I think hopefully good leaders acknowledge they know probably on some level the least as far as technical information about an organization. There are people who hold, you know, much greater depth of knowledge about different areas. Your job is to hold the big picture. And so that means you're going to have to to listen. And in fact, I think it means you have to assume at first you're the one who who does know less. And so you're asking good questions and you're helping people pull out the answers they may already know, but might not be able to, you know, fully say. And that's going to be a little switch for me because I've been more of a staff member who's, who's been on the receiving end of those questions. <laughs> um, and and I, have to, I have to learn and, and get good at asking them. That's great. So intentional, kind, and being a humble learner. Mm-hmm. I mean, what I see in there so much is first curiosity mm-hmm. and just what, how important curiosity is, you know, at, the, at a time where politically people are shutting down, travel wise, we're not getting out, you know, we're stuck in our homes. And so yep. I mean, the, all the forces are against curiosity right now. Mm-hmm. And so I think we need to actively yep. be curious and we need to like really flex those muscles right now. Totally. And and you know what, if we're honest, curiosity takes time. It's not something you put on your to-do list and you can check off the same way as like, oh, we filled out our 990. I checked that off. I think that's going to be a really interesting shift for me too, right? An executive director's to-do list does have some tasks on it, um, but a huge part of the role and the responsibility are things you can't check off. They're never done. They're not, they're not checkable. We're in the middle of the Central Washington Conference right now, and our second keynote speaker, Tuesday, Ryan Hart, talked about leadership stances. And I just love that notion because I'm actually standing up in my office and that like how you hold your body and how you move through the world. And curiosity is that, right? It's not a checklist, as you said. It's a how you go through the world kind of value that you just constantly carry with you. Okay. So people are asking you, are you crazy? Because part of the, are you crazy is this notion of burnout. I mean, how do you plan to avoid and, you know, best laid plans, but how do you plan to avoid or minimize burnout in this leadership position? Well, I will admit, Nancy, that this is, I think one of these moments that we're going to record and like in six months, I'm going to go back and listen to and be like, how naive. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to send it to you. (laughs) A little text. So yeah, for all the executive directors out there who hear my answer and sort of chuckle, knowing that these are all, you know, fine ideas, but aren't really going to work. I apologize ahead of time. But uh, from the perspective I have now, here are at least my my strategies. One, I think it's really important to make sure that I'm building a great team that helps carry the load, meaning not just that there are people around who do things, but there are people who see themselves as equally responsible or maybe not equally, but carry responsibility and are empowered to make a change in the organization, right? That's when people share the load with you when they're as in it as you are. And so I think one of the important things to avoid your own individual burnout is to make sure you're building a collective ability to do hard things and to talk about them and to and to be reflective about them. I think it's also really important to have my own sounding board outside of my office 
So I've, I've already identified two people in my community who are executive directors have, will have been executive directors longer than I will have been who can, you know, maybe we'll have lunch periodically and I, we can all sort of share our stories and, and have that kind of peer relationship. I think that's really important. I think it's important, again, kind of building back on that collective sense, I think it's really important to take the time to empower those I work with, to let them be the experts in their area, to not have to outdo them in my knowledge, but to let them be the experts and help inform the decisions. And what I bring to those decisions then is the bigger elevated perspective of where does that fit in? And then finally, I think it's super important to be human you know, to take breaks, to say, I just have to go for a walk for a little bit. Like that, there's too much right now on my plate and I need to catch some air or I got to go take care of my dog (laughs) to take vacations. I think that's really important. And to talk about what's going on in my life outside of work. So that I'm a, I'm a human being when I'm at that office too. I don't expect myself to be the perfect all put together um, person all the time. I don't know. There's probably a lot more I need, but that's what I'm starting with. Well, there's probably, well, you didn't mention chocolate or red wine. So, so it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I'm going back to that same keynote speaker Tuesday, Ryan Hart. And I loved how she talked about power over, which so often we think uh, formal leadership, we have power over a staff, Mm. but then she brought up the idea of power among. Mm, Yes. What you were talking about in terms of each staff member, regardless of their title, they are a thought leader. They are part of this larger mission. And how do you lift that up without having a lot of ego in the game? Like I'm supposed to be the one in charge here. On my dog walk this morning, I thought of the phrase fearless listening. I think that's the thing I'm going to have to work on. So right now, if I'm in a contentious conversation, you know, like we're trying to decide what to do about a, a big project, I feel like there is a tendency, I think this happens for all of us, I'm listening, but sometimes I'm already thinking about what I'm going to say. Like, I oh, I know what we should do in that area. You know, we should do this. And if, you know, if you're honest, I think that comes from a, a place of wanting to show you, you know, your stuff or wanting to uh, truly, honestly contribute. And I think it's really important as an executive director that I practice fearless listening, which means I just listen. I don't actually start planning my response. <laughs> um, right. I just, I, I trust that when it is time for me to give a response, I will know something useful to say. And I will just listen. And if it means there's a long pause before I give a response, that's okay too. That I will trust that people people will be willing to wait for what I have to say back. They absolutely will. And there's such, such interesting research and writing about being wrong mm-hmm. and changing minds. I'm thinking of the book, actually, I'm looking at it at my shelf, Being Wrong by Katherine Schultz. And Adam Grant's been writing a lot about changing your mind at the corner of it is exactly what you're talking about. And that is actively listening. So you're not forming opinions while someone's talking. I think that's mm-hmm. so important. And it, and again, it's a leadership stance, isn't yep. it? It's, it's a way of being as opposed to something else. So absolutely. So you mentioned this, you know, having lunch with executive directors uh, in your community. So my next question is, if you had a bat phone to a veteran executive director, somebody been doing this successfully for a while, what question would you ask as you step into this position? Yeah, it's a good one. And I started, I will admit, writing down answers to this question that were really almost technical in nature. You know, how do you handle this or how do you do that? 
And I, I thought, no, no, if I only, you know, for my bad phone, I, that, that's a powerful tool. I want to ask something big and broad. So I think what I would ask is how do you go about making hard decisions? Because we're all different. And I wouldn't suggest that that veteran executive director's way of making a hard decision would be the way I would do it. But I think the more I hear examples of how people grapple with really hard decisions at the end of the day, I think then that'll help me formulate my own answer to that question. And I I think at the end of the day, that's part of what the job is. It absolutely is the case. I have observed veteran leaders who deal with really difficult things I mean, I think of, you know, we just buried the wonderful Madeleine Albright as a secretary of state, amazing leader. And she was dealing with incredibly stressful stuff and looked so graceful, so composed. And I, I, I would be so curious, like what was going on beneath the surface? What was running through your mind? Like, how were you keeping yourself composed and right. graceful in those very challenging moments? Right. And my guess is that people in those positions they have some method or approach to decision-making that when they do these things, then they get to an answer and they're willing to live with it, even if it's wrong. Because mm-hmm. at some point being leader is making a decision. And uh, yeah, I just feel like it would be so fascinating to unpack what all those different internal dialogues or methods are, and then define your own. Absolutely. So I have my final question comes from my own experience once having a boss who kept a big Costco jar of red vines behind his desk. And I always wondered, why is it behind your desk? It's kind of a pain to get there. And he said, well, that's intentional because I want you to come all the way into my office. I want staff to come all the way into my office to get the red vines. And that's how I know kind of what's going on. We happen, you know, we'll have, we'll share a few words as you go for the red vine. Yeah. Well, of course, all of us are probably glowing red, but um, <laughs> so are you going to be that kind of executive director that keeps a candy jar behind your desk? Well, I saw this question and I laughed because you've never actually been to our office. So, we, so you wouldn't know that we have another staff member who's already taken care of the it's actually a candy <laughs> drawer and everyone goes to visit her candy drawer. And we talk often about that. So I think there might be a revolution if I suddenly switched it up and, you know, put yes. that in my office. But it got me thinking. I think it's actually my job to go out to the staff. So I, of course, will welcome them in and, and want them in. And my door was is always open as it always has been. But I actually think it's really important for me to go out and see them in their work environment on their terms where where they're not the literal power dynamic is there in the chair they're comfortable in. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm the visitor to them. I think that's super important. You know, I, I do believe in formal meetings with staff. I do think annual reviews or, you know, even more frequent reviews are important. And I know Sky Mercer, our HR guest from the past would be clapping along with that. I think it is important to know there are these moments we can have these conversations about how our expectations are being met. But I also think informal meetings are just key, especially in small organizations. So I'm, yeah, I'm trying to figure out how I can set a schedule where uh, anyone who wants one can have a standing meeting with me. Like, you know, if you want to know that you can talk to me every two weeks for sure, no matter what, let's do that. And then also, you know, when is it, when is it just, I'm here or I'll stop by your desk. And, um, and then I also know that being a part of being the leader is listening for what the team needs. And sometimes that is more candy. So I'll gladly refill that drawer if I need to. (laughs) That might become a budget item now. Take over the candy drawer. 
So we typically have a word of the week, and it seems like leadership should be our our word of the week. I we may have had it in the past. Who knows who's tracking it? But it, <laughs> it strikes me as appropriate now. We're talking a lot about what leadership means in 2022. What are these leadership stances that we need to hold in order to both be a leader in front and a learner among our community? And I just think that's such a powerful idea to be a leader among our community. What does so what does leadership mean to you? Mm, well, of course, and I think this actually dovetails really lovely um, with that among word, which could also be our word of the week. It goes back to being a good coach, you know, and I, I think about what I bring when I'm being a good coach. Um, and that is I do need to know my stuff. I need to actually understand something in in my case about training runners for a 5k racing. If I don't have any actual knowledge about how to do that well, I will not be trusted. So I have to actually know my stuff and have a theory about how we're going to get to the end of the season where we want to be. And I have to have some shaping of a vision The athletes are looking to me to help shape that vision. I don't control the vision. Ultimately, they will help formulate it, but I have to have a start of what that could be so that they feel confident enough to express their dreams and their visions. And then I have to be willing as a coach to reflect and adapt all the time, right? What happened in Tuesday's workout and how do we, oh, that did not go the way we thought it would go. So what do I think is going on with the team? What is it that they need and how do we adjust? And I think that also then requires as a good leader, me seeing them as a team and as individual runners, right? There's, and there's a difference. How's the whole team performing and how's Nancy performing and what does Nancy need and how does Nancy feel about things? Versus how's the team feeling about things and and where that intersection is. And and so really meeting people where they are. You know, at the end of the day, I don't think that having a certain title is sufficient to being a leader. So just because I'll have a different name on the letterhead doesn't declare me the leader, nor is it actually necessary. I think we all know people in organizations who don't have titles that scream leadership, who actually are the ones leading the culture of the organization. But I think kind of back to the stance, it's it's a mindset. It's a way of saying my job here is to help the others be the best they can be for a common goal. That's what leadership is. Wow. So, so true. We're hearing so much about the great resignation and all of the reshuffling happening right now. We also know that everyday nonprofit people are moving into new positions that speak to their values, their purpose, and their sense of community. Just as we celebrate Sarah's new position, We celebrate all of you who may be finding yourself in a new role. We hope that you enjoy the new challenges that come with it. You've got this. Thank you for listening to the Nonprofit Radio Show. If you like what you heard on today's episode, please consider sharing the podcast and rating us on your favorite podcast site. Your support is the best way for us to reach more people. We invite you to look at the show notes at nonprofitradioshow.com for ideas on how to bring these conversations into your organization or to tell us what you'd like to hear next. Nonprofit Radio Show is produced by Nancy Bacon and Sarah Brooks. Editing and post-production are provided by Margaret Mep Schulte of Three Choices Creative Communications. Music is by Riley Crabtree. Together, we are inspired by you and other nonprofit leaders doing important work in our communities.